I'm fragments of everyone around me. All I'm trying to show is the fragments that make me up. There are literally community spaces on every corner and like people always seem to go back to their roots. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Trash Club's podcast, Behind the Bins, where we take a deep dive into the minds of creative leaders and thinkers. Trash Club is a global community and professional network bringing together independent creators from all around the world. My name is Matthew Needham and I'm the co-founder of Trash Club. And if you'd like to learn more about our community and all the work of our amazing members, you can check us out on social media at Trash Club Hub or via our website, www.thetrashclub.co.uk. So with that being said, let's get on with the show. Hi everyone, um, welcome to the Trash Club Behind the Bins podcast and this episode is called Coexistence and it will give reference to one of Trash Club's core value which is people and we will be discussing the importance of community-centred platforms like Trash Club and the need for interconnectivity, diversity and lived experiences and I am Piave Wetchi and I'm super excited to be joined by Ray and Ursula. I thought maybe the best thing to do would be to actually start with both of you introducing yourselves, but I'll just say a quick introduction about me. I'm one of the co-founders of Kelechi, which is a um, insight platform and a collective, and we do loads of work on connecting fashion with people and nature. And I would love to pass the mic to you, Ray, so you can um, tell us a little bit more about you. Hiya. Um, my name is Ray or Rahim Rahman. I am an artist who works mainly with material and um, I would call myself a community curator as well. And Ursula? My name is Ursula and I would call myself the original granny. I've been in this movement for sustainability in several different guises as a designer, as a mentor, as a curator, as an activist and as an author. Nice. Um, and I would love for you both to actually go deeper into your practice and your work. So Ray, your work as a designer, but also I feel like you're so much more than a designer. You've done a lot of work across kind of bringing in stories and communities. Um, and then afterwards, I'll ask you also to do the same thing from talking about from somewhere and kind of your journey into this world and kind of earning, I mean, I've been following you for such a long time, so kind of earning your title, um, kind of as almost a sustainability queen. So um, yeah, would love to exactly, um, yeah, hear from you a bit more about how you, you got here. Um, so yeah, so I started out doing fashion menswear at Sandra St. Martins. Um, I'm now head of the first year on the BA here now as well. Um, but over those years, it's actually, my practices evolved so much because I just think, because I live in the community that I feel like I represent, I see their problems and I see problems all around the world. And I think I just have something within me that makes me want to find a solution using the skills that I have in my hands um, or acquire new skills to try to really de um, develop like really sustainable solutions for people. Um, and I think that really branches out across everything that I do, whether it's film, whether it's exhibitions, whether it's garments and clothing um, or building communities within communities. Um, and that I think is the best way to really summarize what I do because I always find it quite hard to do that because I just think it's always 
ever evolving for all of us, what we do. And I think, and that's part of growth. And watching Orsula as well is actually such a good um, representation of actually how you can be quite forgiving to yourself and actually over the years allow yourself to meander through different art forms and um, as long as the ethics and principles don't change, and I really don't feel like I'm <laughs> I have, um, I think that's the branch out of it all. But also you mentioned, because I guess going back to the term coexistence, you mentioned actually living in the community that you feel that you represent. And what does that actually look like? Um, I would say to sum, sum it up, it's, it's the working class community. Um, and for me, it's beyond race, it's beyond ethnicity, it's about class. And in the UK and anyone here who's from the UK will, see, will know, um, in working class communities, it's a mix of so many different ethnicities. You grow up next to a Nigerian auntie and then <laughs> a Jamaican family and on the other side. And it's just vibes. And that is what I always want to surround myself with. No matter where my career goes, I just want to always remember the people who I've always known. And actually the, the hurdles that I've had to overcome to even get this far, a lot of the people in my community are still there. And actually that is why I really want to live with them and be with them because they it just feels like home and everywhere else I've lived never feels like home like that. <laughs> yeah, I 100% know what you mean. I grew up in um, London as well in yeah, just community of just different people. You learn from each other. Um, yeah, you kind of have, yeah, someone that's from one place here and, and then someone that's from completely somewhere different. Um, so many, like, even for us, we had like a lot of people that were from Ireland and um, Nigeria, Jamaica, kind of just everywhere. Mm. And yeah, and, and you just pick up new things. So it's <laughs> always, um, yeah. And it's quite nice, actually, despite kind of, I guess, um, you've had many accolades despite all of that actually being rooted in home and yeah. recognizing that I think that's a really special thing to say uh -huh, thank you <laughs> and also um, Ursula how about you and your journey and and how does coexistence fit in to your journey as well so my journey uh, it's really uh, everything that Ray said except without the knowledge to begin with um, so I, I am overly empathic, and I think that that is what moved me. At the end of the day, I can be overly empathic over a broken jumper, um, over the, the, the state of the environment, over what, you know, it, it's... So for me, it is exactly like Ray. I instinctively have a protective, you know, a solution-driven, protection-driven um, impulse. So, which is closely linked with the woman that I am, and I am 100% creative. So that turned into making, mending, reusing, finding, but not necessarily, you know, 30 years ago with the sense that this was either community building or, uh, you know, um, activism or anything like that. It was just, for me, more like a compulsion uh, something that I was drawn to do. And I've made, you know, the journey fit with what are my over-empathic principles, meaning that I try to do the best that I can and to be as imaginative and creative as I can, but with little impact, hopefully. And um, but with the community and the coexisting, it's interesting because my own history is one of running away from community. You know, I was in, in Italy and I was super young when I was 15 and I had this impulse that I had to come over here. So I made family instead and I call my community more family. It's, it's 
global. It's not fixed in one in one space because I've moved around so much. But I am quite gluey, and I'm very loyal. So I've made and I've grown and I've met and I've learned and I've exchanged and. What I'm the most proud of is that it's been, it really has been a journey of, of curiosity. Um, and it's, it's been imperative for my practice because I can't and I wouldn't do anything on my own. I don't enjoy doing things on my own because I feel uh, somehow um, like I have so much to give and so limited at the same time. And I love that tension because it means that I am incomplete. And by being incomplete, it means that I need to seek others, that we can make something complete together. And that's what I strive for. And it's been, it's been incredible to be open to, you know, to knowing that you as, as a single are distinctly never enough. And that what really matters is the plural and the others in in everything and, and everywhere you go. So that's that's been the essence of my journey, one hundred percent. Yeah, I love the way you're talking about the collective because um, I remember when we spoke a while back when we you were talking about kind of um, when from somewhere was quite new and how you worked collectively with a group of knitters and crocheters and you kind of acknowledged that your thing was kind of and actually recently I've been reading your book um, so I gave I gave one copy away to my colleague and never saw it again so I had to buy a new one um, and so now I'm I'm reading it again but um and and you're very open about being your kind of thing is actually mending things and 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 that's kind of your thing and actually you have this openness about allowing other people to join a movement and kind of really highlighting their skill in it and I feel like Trash Club um, which is kind of a great example of how you can work collectively or work together or acknowledge that there is an individual element with people um but then actually there's also a power in coming together so it'll be quite interesting to hear about both of your journeys into trash club and yeah how did you get into trash club well for me um it was kind of almost the most um normal step i mean obviously i have i started um i got to know uh, matt and katie you know in a sort of as their, you know, as, as a mentor, as somebody that they, you know, a little bit higher up on the trash journey. Um, and, and so for me, when I, when I still now, when I, when I see kind of waves of people joining Trash Club, I feel utterly at home, completely um, like, yes, this is, I elect to be a part of this community. Um, and it's, it, it, it was a very instinctive journey. And it feels to me when we do meet, when we speak during the trash talks, and I bring, I brought this um, analogy before, uh, you know, my body is made of trillions of cells, and yet none of them is more important than the other. They need each other in order to function. And this, for me, is the attribute of all communities. You know, we need to be at the same level with each other of the same importance in order to give our juices, our energy, our intelligence, 
um, in a way that can be absorbed by all of the community. There's not one, you know, shoving more than others. It's balanced, it's respected, it's, you know, and that to me is the essence of what Trash Club is. Nobody takes over, everyone listens, and there is a sense of um, both safety and experimentation going on at the same time. So it responds to your intellect, but also to your emotions. Yeah, um, I remember um, you've been um, at the Trash Talks from the beginning because I remember yeah. during COVID <laughs> um, when Clubhouse was kind of at its peak and there were loads of rooms you could go into. But I remember Trash Talk being one of the most authentic ones because I felt there were loads of rooms where, like Ursula was saying, everybody felt like they needed to speak and you could never hear what anyone had to say. And to be honest, a lot of people saying the same thing. <laughs> Whereas with Trash Talk, it felt very just like, okay, just people genuinely talking about things that were concerning them yeah. or just genuinely wanting to know more about each other, which is such a unique space to be in. Um, and also it just felt like you entered this room and you, you, you kind of were familiar with names because, you know, people that were in the industry doing things were there and you're like, wow, these people are actually being really real. So mm. it'd be quite interesting to know about your journey um, in Trash Club as well. Um, I, I was, and, and you mentioned that word lockdown, which I know <laughs> we all went through. Um, and to be honest, it was that I had just done two shows at Fashion Week and then I wanted to take a massive pause on fashion because I just didn't know what I was doing with it. Um, and because of the work that I do is much more around craftsmanship, sustainability, I just weren't finding people who thought like I was, um, other than my own friends. And then I came across um, Katie and Matthew's like Instagrams and then started showing love to you both of their Instagrams and then they were like oh we have this thing trash talk just join it's just holistic um and in a way it felt like I manifested it in a way because obviously it, at the time I was in lockdown I kind of needed a space to keep talking but not feel so insular mm. um and actually it feel like there's a space where we could all just say anything into it and kind of like have people genuinely critique us have people genuinely be like actually have you thought about this facet and all this other stuff and then that's what I really fell in love with was that actually it became a space and what's lovely seeing it grow is it became a space of like people who thought similarly about what we wanted out of people and the planet um, and what how our actions are actually playing into that um, and that's what I love about Trash Club the most is that there is people from all many different parts of the world doing so many different things and actually hearing feedback about what they're doing, what inspires them, even something as small as how the weather in the city is affecting their craft. Like stuff like that really just helps you remember the human in all of us. And I think that's what I really enjoyed the most about those clubhouse chats in lockdown. And then obviously from then to now, seeing it grow and meeting people like yourself and also and like really building genuine connections with people um was the part of the creative industry that was really missing um and now to have it here and and now we're at a podcast and I'm just like this is quite <laughs> it's quite lovely because it all started through just communicating and we're still doing that yeah and talking and talking yeah and, and not feeling alone like as you're talking yeah and I guess lockdown really um yeah it was a crazy time that I know we would all rather forget but um <laughs> it was also a time where actually it everyone felt the same thing mm. for, and it felt like for the first time in a long time everyone was comfortable with this kind of sameness and connection that we were kind of all feeling with each other but um 
kind of going back to Ursula, because um, as you were talking where I was just thinking about um, a highlight for me, or, or I guess when we talk about um, human rights is fashion revolution, and you mentioned it as well, mm. was such a huge part of personally my sustainability journey. I felt like um, I just went into sustainability just wanting to save money, to be honest. At first I was like, I need to save money, so I'm going to buy less clothes. And then I fell into the work of fashion revolution. I was like, wow, there's so much damage that fashion is causing. And I think the work that Fashion Revolution does in just highlighting human voices, human rights, people working across the the um, fashion supply chain, I feel it's like has been life changing for quite a lot of us. Um, but I know after 11 years after co-founding um, Fashion Revolution, um, you decided um, to step down and... Um, how do you think, I guess, the theme of coexistence um, works um, within that journey of actually choosing to step down? And I know when we kind of spoke about it, I mean, Fashion Revolution was at the point where there were loads of people leading kind of local hubs so there's fashion revolution in you know parts of africa have their own hubs and parts of asia have their own yeah. hubs um and and it was almost a moment to say actually this movement that again started from just the conversation and and wanting to do more after the rana plaza movement has suddenly turned into people having you know being able to have conversations within their countries or within their towns or within their direct small communities and I guess there's a coexistence story that's bubbling there somewhere so it'll be interesting 100%. to hear what, what 100%. That is I mean like. I'm incredibly proud of um, having been a vehicle for um, this incredible community to form and I've loved and I'm involved I mean you know I'm, I'm advisory here and, and there but it is 100% all to do with coexistence that I should choose to leave because our culture um, worships people that are at the top and in a position of power and not the actual ones that are making the machine work. And Fashion Revolution is a group of maybe 84, 85 teams that have formed all over the world. Now, can you imagine what that means to, to someone that is, you know, somehow w within that group and, and yet this obsession with the founder, which was not something I enjoyed, to be honest, it, it didn't fit right. I mean, while there was the need for, um, I guess, at the very beginning, you know, that there's, there's a drive and you drive something co-founded hugely because it's like a baby but for me the future of fashion revolution is each team empowered each country coordinator and their teams ready to do the conversations that they need in their country you know who are we in london uh, to to suddenly decide okay yes now we need this this doesn't work for me anymore and unfortunately the culture that we live in is still completely obsessed with that type of hierarchical structure so for me, if I refuse that hierarchical structure, um, but I understand that in, a, in an organization such as Fashion Revolution, I don't necessarily have the answer as to which is the right structure. But my act of leaving wasn't an act of saying goodbye. It was an act of, of saying, I'm here more than ever. 
But in order to be here more than ever, I have to be way less visible because you know me. I mean, you know, you both know me as a human. I'm noisy. I take over. I speak too much. You know, that's that's who I am. So it was way better for me to practice my coexistence by being more silent, more in the margins, and um, you know, of course, maternal as I am, I'm I'm still there. But the strength of organizations such as Fashion Revolution is the individuality of the people that speak about their experience in fashion. And the biggest thing that we all need to learn, um, and that for me, Fashion Revolution is, is so great at explaining, is that what's happening in Helsinki is really not the same as what's happening in South Africa or in Malaysia or in Chile right now. And unless we see fashion in its globality, we will continue to reiterate a message that frankly, frankly makes me want to vomit, which is that us in the West, we know best, continuing to reiterate exactly the same journey that the fashion industry designed for itself at the time of industrialization, which is a journey of exploitation of people and nature. And um, so therefore, we're still in an experimental phase. But we are exploring uh, as Fashion Revolution what decentralization looks like, what uh, you know, a rotation system of directors from all over the teams look like, so that we can share you know, voices and experiences as much as possible. Yeah, that whole thing about voices is so important because I think with fashion, sometimes there's almost one big global voice mm. and then everyone kind of flocks towards it regardless of where they're from um really and even the whole thing that there's almost one look or a selection of of looks um and it kind of leads me to what I was thinking with the work you do because actually when I look at your Instagram feed you're very um vocal about your community also being a Bangladeshi as well and and actually highlighting voices from kind of your upbringing mm. um but also and it's never just about you which I think is very I don't want to say unique I mean it is unique actually because I guess I can't really think of there are people that 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 do represent kind of where they're from but you do it in such a way where you bring other people from those spaces with you um but also I guess you're quite vocal about also being an East Londoner as well so it'll be quite interesting to hear about coexistence in that sense and how you've gone from being kind of what well have starting your craft as a designer and then what has pushed you to work closer with your local community in whatever sense in however you want to define that yeah um I think very similar to what Oslo was saying, like I have, was always very aware that there was no such thing as with one singular designer who's doing everything by themselves. And what I always wished to see was the team behind all the designers that I always looked up to. So then from very much from the beginning, whenever I got any opportunity, I would always bring the artisans to the meetings, bring the like Fashion Revolution is a great example because that's that's how I met Oslo was I did Fashion Open Studio. <laughs> And when I got that opportunity, I was like, no, no, this isn't even about me. Like, I, I'm just like, in, in my way, I kind of see it as myself as a conduit. I'm like, if, if, if I become the conduit for you to discover the artisans in Bangladesh, amazing. If I become the conduit that makes you go to the local community center and actually see the amazing people upholding the community, amazing like if if I'm the conduit that shows you streets of growth this amazing charity that works with children who work very closely within the drug trades and all that stuff amazing like go and support these people um and for me it's that I'm just like art and creativity 
we have to, if, well, especially if we want it to be an act of change, it's exactly what um, Oslo was saying, is that we have to be the one who shows that. We have to be this like vessel of light. And if for some reason, and we all do, we have a platform, we have to use that for to highlight some other people who don't have platforms and actually champion their work. Because a lot of the times, and I, and I truly believe this, I'm a fragment, I'm fragments of everyone around me. And truly all I'm trying to show is the fragments that make me up. And that is across everything, whether it's art, whether it's community-led programs, whether it's like trash club, like there's so many different parts of me. And I just think they really make up my opinions, even everything that I'm saying today. It's an amalgamation of conversations I've had with everyone. Um, and to be honest, every opinion I have is that. And I'm just trying to show where I come from. And I really mean that, like, because obviously not just where I'm born, but like where everything of me comes from, where the ideas come from, because that then it gives, and for me that the idea of doing that is about accessibility. It's about if I show that to people, then it shows them they can also do that. They can unlock and access parts of their community they've never looked at and then be like, oh, wow, I could actually do that. I could champion people and actually also thrive myself. And I think that's ultimately what I'm trying to do <laughs> yeah I love that um when you were saying your kind of fragments of all of the different people are kind of almost all like pieces of glass coming together and all being part of different people as you I said that but such a nice quote <laughs> I mean fragment if you think about it from a fragment you know from a fragment of a bone you can discover the story of a whole community that lived you know thousands of years ago from a fragment of a firmament you can make up a whole constellation I'm going to quote you forever, but I'm also going to use fragments. <laughs> yes. Never heard it said no, like this before. <laughs> this is the first time you've heard it, people. Um, yeah, love the yeah the idea of kind of fragments we coming fragments. together. Exactly, that is the coexistence, and that's a wrap, guys. We have <laughs> figured out coexistence. But um, I think um, the other thing, actually, as Ray was talking, I was gonna ask um, you about your book, Ursula. Um, loved loved clothes last um, because good really good book. Because actually, as you were talking, Ray, I was just thinking about there's a relatability because even with um I mean I well grew up in South East London but live in East London now and have over and lived in East London over COVID where I got so involved in just what was around me and the local community You're and actually <laughs> yes we should do you know meet up sometime walk in the park <laughs> um but I think there are literally community spaces on every corner and there's constantly like even just competitions where you know younger people get involved as well as actually professional people getting involved in this like it's such a um big community where it doesn't really matter whether you're just at the beginning of your career or you're a artist that's been practicing and that's kind of had you know huge art shows and commissions all over the world there's like people always seem to go back to their roots and there's always something you can see in like a a local space and actually to be able to bring people into those spaces I think is really important um as opposed to people thinking actually I'm just going to go to galleries or I'm just gonna stick to Mayfair or Central but actually spreading it out um and I feel like your work kind of pushes that and encourages that and even as I was reading um your book Ursula th there's such a relatability in the way that you talk about mending and the way that you talk about our relationship with clothes that I think anyone can pick up the book because I, I I know there's quite a lot of books on kind of clothing sustainability out there and sometimes it feels like the same people almost preaching to 
the same people like you've got to know the terminology for it to make sense to you whereas actually with your book there's diagrams there's you know this is what I do if you are if if you don't want to do it that way you know you can find your version of it and it's very much about helping people to find their their voice in this kind of mending conversation but it'll be interesting to hear more about that process of writing that book and what your thinking was um when I mean I know there's a lot of sewing books out there um and your book is not a sewing book at all and then there's a lot of sustainability books and I don't even feel like it fits there it's such it's it's almost in its own category um I can see there yeah so I'd love to kind of hear about that process I wanted to do a book that talks about repairs and reparations. Because at the end of the day, for me, there is both a joy and a despair in starting with your wardrobe, in the sense that you need to learn the despair before you can concentrate on the joy. And obviously, the joy comes with style, comes with individualism, with who you are, and that's my hook because that's me, I'm a, I'm a creative person, you know, you, you, you couldn't dress me in Roberto Cavalli, even if you, you know, <laughs> pinned me to the ground, it's just not, not my thing, so I had to make space for the people that would, for everybody, for, you know, the fact that we have an opportunity with our clothes, but at the end of the day, that opportunity is a starting point, it's not the end, and it needs to take you to understand the classism, racism, uh, abuse that you're wearing every day if you're not careful about your votes. But to do this in a way that doesn't feel prescriptive, it's also probably because I am the mother of four children and I have been a mother since I was 17 years old. And I know that sometimes things that are prescribed are taken up less than things that are spontaneous. So I tried to make people react more spontaneously to what they can do with their clothes. Someone described my book as a mixture between a manual and a manifesto, and I felt comfortable in that space. And I tried to talk always from what I understand and then bring a plethora of, you know, so many other fragments um, in this in this movement that can pick up all the pieces that I am not so versed. So I'm really not that good at mending either. I actually prefer to let my clothes break. That's my personal style. So again, it's, you know, it isn't just about learning. Maybe mending is paying somebody, giving them this incredibly dignified job of mending your clothes. So it was trying really to ensure, though, that every morning when you wake up, you take responsibility because responsibility that you do have as much as you have agency. Yeah, and as we, because I know we don't have a lot of time, but one thing I did want to talk about actually was um, the film documentary you're working on called Body of Our Own. Um, Could you maybe tell us a little bit about that? So... I guess it's in the process right now. So yeah. <laughs> how did the idea come about and does it link to coexistence at all? Um, no, no, I, to be honest, I think a lot of my work um, exists in a space of coexistence. Um, and to be honest, the film kind of happened by chance. Like I was in Bangladesh working with artisanal fabrics and it was New Year's and I went to go celebrate and I had an altercation with um, a group of trans women there and they're, and they're called the Hijra community. And, 
um, I actually just came back with loads of questions. And for me, I know, I know it's weird. The more times I say this to people and I'm, I'm always just like, because everyone's like, oh, you weren't angry. I was like, no, because I immediately, very similar to what Ursula says, I'm naturally very empathetic. So I immediately went to, wait, why? Why would somebody do that? How can you get to that? Um, and, I, and then I just think through studying and I came back, started working with Human Rights Watch just to really understand how people get to a certain place in life um, and I think just even now looking out into the world there's a crisis on everything we have crisis around people understanding race issues we have crisis around people understanding empathy trying to understand the people around them and at the core of it all for me I just think humanity is having a crisis of kindness like we really do not are not kind to each other enough mm. and to be honest that's where the film was born because um, I was just like how can we teach people around trans communities to be kind to them mm. um, and I was just like actually the way you're going to do that is if you understood them like a mother like a sister like a friend and initially it started off as a fashion photo shoot and you know it, that sounds so vapid even as I'm saying it but I immediately vetoed that because I was like it's still centered <laughs> yeah because it does and I, for me I'm just like it still centered my ego and I was like that's that's not what I'm about and that's not what my work's about and then it became a short film and to be honest that's when I, we stuck to film because I was like that's where you really understand someone's um, world but then that evolved very quickly because COVID happened and now it's become a full feature length um, so Body of My Own is now in post-production um, I'm making it with a really good friend of mine Lily Vetch um, who both of us together empathetically are trying to make a very beautiful story for you to feel like you are in these women's world as their best friend or their mother you're sat next to them you're going to hear their traumas and the good stuff and to be honest most of the film is centered around the amazing stuff because we already know a lot of the trauma and actually we don't need people to delve into that we just need to see their strength because I just think that's what's going to make people understand what they have to go through is when you see how much strength it takes to go through it yeah and that's ultimately what the film is trying to do is help tackle this crisis of kindness that the whole world is going through yeah sounds like it's going to be such a beautiful piece oh, of work I hope so <laughs> and, yeah can't wait to actually see it um in action so yeah looking forward to that <laughs> um I just thought um as we are reaching the end uh it will be nice to maybe have some reflections I think some of the last elements you you both actually were talking about really just made me think of the importance of sharing stories but not us sharing them for people but people sharing their stories and finding ways to push that out there um, but it'll be nice to hear from both of you what some of your reflections are uh, on this in this conversation. I think what's also been nice is I know sometimes we're kind of always 50-50 about technology, but also you've obviously joined us online and it feels like digital has such a yes. huge part in coexistence. And even when you launch your film, I'm sure the digital space is going to have a huge role in making 100%. sure that people hear the story. So would be great to hear some of your reflections some of your thoughts any final words um that you'd like to share do you want to go first who goes first <laughs> ladies first uh, always. I, I mean, I'm happy to go first <laughs> go ahead so, first of all um i throughout this conversation i had in my mind ray's installation at somerset house for the international fashion showcase uh, which is really where I uh, got a, a first glimpse of your mind. And everything was like a cabinet of curiosity, and but kind. And so I'm picking back on that word kindness, because in your work, Ray, it's visible. 
Mm. There is, you know, so I can't wait to see the film from that empathy perspective because this is how I interpret your work deeply empathic and lifting up so you could see behind, you know, and, and really, uh, really discover. But from a, a highly, a highly kind point of view, and my, I was saying this quite recently, if there was ever a rebrand needed for the fashion industry, it would be kindness. It would be a really good starting point because be kind to people and kind to nature is precisely the opposite of the fashion industry's own branding. It's designed itself to make 99% of the population feel inadequate, either because of the way that they looked or because of the place where they were. So it's it's imperative that within those conversations we also um, lead by example. At the end of the day, friends are made by people leading by example and others copying them. So the more we create these uh, kind coexisting coexistence uh, examples for others, I think the more that they will become. Um, you know, people won't be able to refrain themselves from joining, which is, you know, which is a trend. Really, really wanting to do something that you've seen on someone else. So, and I feel safe that in this community that we are building, we are making all of these choices look like the ones that you need to take. So I'm positive that the, the you know, the, the message is being spread by the people that I'm seeing in my fantastically brilliant Zoom little window, because I do love <laughs> Zoom. It stops us from moving and flying, which is also a big issue. Yeah. And Ray, do you have anything to add to that? Um, I will add two things because obviously you asked about the digital element. I would say the digital world has allowed me to meet so many incredible people. And yes. actually that that opening up and obviously seeing it heightened through COVID. Actually, I've met so many people even through Trash Club as well. I think it's such a good way to use technology around us to connect, to build a coexistence with each other. Um, and if I had one part in word, it would be to not decenter yourself. To I would say find where you belong in the circle rather than why you're the middle point. And I think a lot of the times our careers are taught to us like we should be um, egotistical, but actually we need to fight against that and actually find the collective within us all and join the circle rather than find the middle. That's a really nice reflection. And one thing that I was just going to end with as you were both talking actually is I feel like both of the work that... Um, you and also do actually it really does make me think of home like when I look at your work it almost feels like you know that feeling when you go into someone's house for the first time but they're very welcoming but you don't know but it's different to yours because it's everyone's very different but you're kind of going in and you explore you know what does what's their kitchen like and what's the, the living room is all very different but then it's very welcoming whereas um Orsalish kind of is the self-acclaimed trash granny um, and also has this kind of hominess about her and uh, this kind of whole idea of actually welcoming and learning from each other. So I think, yeah, if we can all feel that kindness, almost a, a deep kindness where you almost feel at home with someone, I think that's definitely a positive place to go towards. Oh, what a lovely end, Piave. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Piave. Thank you, Trash Club. Bye, Ursula.
Thank you for listening to Behind the Bins podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll see you at the next one. If you'd like to start a trash club hub in your area, then just get in touch at global at thetrashclub.co.uk or check us out on social media and see when we have opportunities available.